When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Need help getting your builder's registration? Call Master Builders Victoria today to discuss our member support program. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Hello and welcome to Dwayne's World. Great to have your company wherever you might be listening around this beautiful planet of ours. It's midday madness time, so you call, you get on. That open line brought to us by Werribee Kia, and I've just been down at Werribee Kia this morning to have a chat with David. And the whole team down there, they've got a heap of new and used car stock. one 736 is the open line number. Thanks to Werribee Kia, one 736 Jump on that line and we'll get you on. Only a shorter show today, two hours. And we are crossing to Doha to have a chat to Julian Lorenz, a French journalist ahead of tomorrow morning's Australia v France game. So we'll be heading there in about half an hour from now. So jump on the line now. Want to have a chat to you. Anything in the world of sport that moves you enough to pick up your phone and dial the number. We'll get you on and then head to the MCG at 2 o'clock. So plenty on the show today. And you can jump on the text machine as well if you want to send me a text. 0433 the text machine number. 40 Winks and Temper bring it to us. And Temper, T-E-M-P-U-R, uh, consumer's Choice winner, temper mattresses, pillows and adjustable bases conforms to the exact shape of your body. But uh, it's Talkback Radio, so rather have a chat to you. Just been talking to Jules before I came on. Uh, the Soccer World Cup does it to me every time. I get drawn into it. I get slightly obsessed by it, to be honest. Maybe it's the fact that it's the world's best against the best. Outside of the Olympics, it's probably the biggest sporting event on the planet. Although, if you ask soccer people it is the biggest sporting event on the planet it's only every four years so you look forward to it I look forward to it and I'm not really a soccer heavy I don't go to games every week I don't watch a game every week but I can't help but watch the World Cup when it's the best against the best only every four years you look forward to it and you savor it while it's on because it's rare and in this world of endless often meaningless sport the FIFA World Cup is as big as it gets for importance and meaning. So, yeah, I stayed up till 3.30 this morning, locked into England tearing Iran apart. Maybe it was the fact that there was a flurry of goals and so much action, I couldn't take my eyes off it, even though they beat them 6-2. I'll be up late tonight watching Argentina, who are the favourites to win the whole thing against Saudi Arabia. Who knows, I might even stick it out for Denmark Tunisia, but I've got to get up at 6am tomorrow morning to watch France and Australia. So, have you got the fever? is, in essence, my question to you. Have you got the fever? Has it got you like it's got me again? Or were you up late last night? Will you get up early tomorrow morning? one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Yeah, we normally talk a hell of a lot of AFL on this program, but 
Let's talk some soccer while it deserves to be talked about, I think. one 736 if you'd like to join me. Aaron in Broadmeadows is already on the line and Midday Madness for Wrong Fuel Extraction. Search up shipcreek.com.au. Aaron in Broadmeadows, you want to talk about a little bit of AFL first and that's fine. You call, you get on. Anything in the world of sport that moves you enough to pick up your phone, welcome to you. Yeah, good afternoon. I just wanted to comment on the fact that about 30 years ago, the AFL set a precedent that it was unacceptable to have an AFL venue that was majority standing. This weekend, we've got an AFLW grand final in a venue that is majority standing. Um, and, and then it's also the point that um, the AFL is saying that the Tasmanian team must have a roof for it to be acceptable for AFL football. And yet they're playing at a, a venue in uh, Queensland that is far, far inferior to the two current stadiums that are currently operating for AFL football and international cricket. So how can the AFL possibly say that a Tasmanian team to play a home and away match must have a stadium worth $750 million of the roof and at the same time say, oh, it's OK to have a venue with only 800 seats for an AFLW grand final? The hypocrisy is just, it's through the roof. So what would you ask them to do then, Aaron, given that the Brisbane Lions AFLW team won the right to host the grand final. They've got the grand final. They can't play it at the Gabba. Uh, they can't play it at Metricon. Neither of those venues have a roof anyway. We do have a new team coming into the competition in Tasmania. So what we're asking is for them to come in with some infrastructure that is going to be state-of-the-art as opposed to playing out of old grounds without roofs that might not draw a crowd. So what would you ask the AFL to do in this instance for the AFLW grand final? Where would you want them to play it at? at Marvel under the roof. Is that what you're saying? No, I think there needs to be a criteria that the, the venue must have at least 70 or 80% seating. There must be some cover for the public. I mean, it might rain on Saturday. And you, what do you want people to stand in, in the outer, in the rain or the 30-degree heat? Um, it doesn't have to have a roof. I mean, there's obviously no need to have a roof on a stadium because teams like Collingwood, Carlton, Richmond, Essendon have chosen for decades to play in the ground without a roof. So, uh, and as for the Tasmanian stadiums, um, the AFL have approved two stadiums for the 2023 season. Um, they're saying that's good enough for AFL football. Um, the ICC has just allowed World Cup matches to be played at Hobart. So, if the venue in Hobart and Launceston are good enough for the ICC World Cup and for AFL football in 2023, how on earth can they then argue that those two grounds are not acceptable for a Tasmanian te AFL team? And until the taxpayer builds a stadium, you're not getting a team. It doesn't make any sense at all. It's very because government contribution, the government contribution is important to keep Tasmania um, viable and vibrant. Tasmania wouldn't be able to come into the competition without government contribution or without the current 17 clubs paying for a lot of what they're going to do. I mean, it's a bit like how much we have to pay for the Suns at the moment. It's a bit like the expansion teams in general that we've had to pay for, like the Giants. So... I mean, but the stadium roof argument, though, Aaron, the MCG hasn't got a roof. We play the grand final there. Exactly. So, no, no, no. I'm, I'm saying, as Collingwood have... Collingwood, Eddie Maguire saying the Tasmanian team should have a roof. Eddie Maguire, as Collingwood president, chose for Collingwood to play at a ground without a roof. Yeah. He could have played so why, but why, roof, why, why, why shouldn't we ask for Tasmania, given the weather in Tasmania, given how cold it is, and if you haven't been to Blundstone Arena, given that the stadium is not state-of-the-art. I mean, Blundstone Arena is not state-of-the-art. Launceston is fantastic, but at the same time, they will be playing games in the open in Launceston 
when they get a team in Tasmania, Aaron. There's going to be a split of games. They'll probably play 11 home games with an 8-3 or a 7-4 split between Launceston and the roofed venue in Hobart. So they will be playing games at that spectacular stadium in Launceston, which has a great deck. Um, look, uh, I'm, I'm fully in agreement that the Brisbane Lions deserve to host the AFLW Grand Final at this venue. I mean, they deserve to be given a shot, I think, but that's okay. We'll agree to disagree on it. Uh, there's a lot of things the AFL does that I disagree on, but I don't mind this one. I mean, give them a chance to host it and have a full house. They've, they've earned the right to have it. But the competition deserves more than 8,000 people at the uh, venue, and the, and the patrons deserve more than a venue with no cover and no seating. That, that, that's my point. And as for it being too cold in Tasmania, if you don't have a roof, it gets pretty cold in Manchester. Manchester United and Manchester City play in venues without roofs, as do Liverpool, Arsenal, um, Barcelona. If these sides can survive without roofs, why on earth does the Tasmanian team need a roof? Because they need a state-of-the-art stadium to take us forward, Aaron, rather than playing a stadium that has has run its race, really, I think, as an AFL venue, Blundstone Arena, without a major redevelopment. But you and I can disagree on that and, and be fine with it. I'll, I'll, I'm happy to disagree with you and I'm happy to take your point on it. And I'm also happy to be on the side of the Brisbane Lions earning the right to host the grand final. And I'm also happy for people in Victoria to rage and scream about it and say it should be on Icon Park because we'll get a bigger crowd there. But, um, you know, that's the beauty of the, the same argument we have in the men's game every year. Does Geelong deserve the right when they win it to host a home final? Should the AFL grand final be at the MCG? Why not have a final under the roof at Marvel? I mean, it's the same argument we've had. We're just having it in the AFLW space. So I'm happy to have it with you. That's, that's fine. So what's your bottom line? Where would you play it? Icon Park or Marvel, the AFLW grand final? I actually, I played in Queensland if they could provide a stadium that had 80% seating and some cover because there's no cover at the new ground because it might rain. It might be but it's still a sellout. So, so the Queensland people don't care. They've already sold it out. Yeah, but 8,000 is not enough people, though. It's a bad look, though. It looks amateurish. If you're watching it on TV, yeah. you're going to think, well, what's this amateurish sport? You've got a, a hill and a, it looks like... Well, would, it look better, would it look better at a two-thirds empty marvel? It would look better at Icon Park. Icon Park would be full. There's but Melbourne doesn't deserve you know? to host it, though, Aaron. Melbourne hasn't well, won the right to but, host the grand final. But by that logic, Geelong should have played... You know, 15 finals at Geelong in the last 10 years. So the, the AFL can't... On the one hand, they're saying, we can't play at GMHBA Stadium because it's not big enough. But then the, the, literally a month later, they're saying, oh, it's OK for Brisbane to play in an 8,000-seat stadium because they've earned the right to host. Well, they set and, the and two precedent weeks ago, two weeks earlier by letting Richmond host their home final at Punt Road as well. So they've already set that yeah, precedent that in the AFLW. But that precedent... There's been a precedent for, like, 50 years in the AFL... Collingwood never played um, finals at Victoria Park. Essendon never played at Windy Hill. So they've gone against the, the punt road decision. That went against 50 years of precedence. So like, yeah, I, don't agree. I don't agree with the punt road decision, Aaron. I'm with you on that. Yeah, I think they should have played they're... at a bigger venue in Melbourne. But I do believe the Brisbane Lions deserve to host the AFLW Grand Final. I know, I said it yesterday, I'm a one out on this. Outside of Brisbane, there's probably no one else by me that thinks it's a good idea. But... I think it would be unfair if they were forced to play against Melbourne in Melbourne. And I think it's, it's, they deserve to have a chance to make it a ground with some history. It's their new venue. They've built it. So I'm happy with it, Aaron. 
So hold the line. Got something for you. Got a Signet Boost power bank valued at fifty nine ninety five. Signet Boost power bank will keep your phone, tablet, and earbuds powered twenty four seven. I'll agree to disagree with you on where it should be held. Then I'll agree to disagree with you on Tasmania needing a stadium with a roof. I mean, it's twenty twenty three now. We want to come into the future, and the MCG will have a roof before I depart my time on this earth. I can guarantee you that too. Mick in Balam, welcome to you, Mick. G'day, Dwussell. I hope you recovered from your holiday, mate, and back into it. And uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I might never get over the holiday. Mick had such a good time. But anyway, um, I hope you checked out a couple of photos on my Instagram. It's fun to be back, though, talking some sport and arguing some sports stuff with people. Welcome to you. Yeah, good, mate, good. Um, listen, I, I agree with you probably 95% of the time, but I have to disagree on this side. Why? You, so pretty much you're saying that Geelong should have hosted the grand final in Geelong. No, uh, no, no. Did... Yes, 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 because and because you're saying that they get the right to host the grand final. Uh, home teams get the right to host uh, a final at home, not a grand final. Every code has a, a neutral ground for a grand final. Like that means that means Melbourne Storm should have played the grand final in Melbourne, and you know what I mean, and all the other codes. A grand final should be a neutral ground, uh, a, a ground that can hold a little bit more capacity, and it's not, it, it's no advantage to anybody, but a neutral ground. So why do we have to have the same rules for the AFLW as we have for the men's, Mick? Why does it happen to be have to be a carbon copy where we play the grand final at a neutral ground? Why can't we have at least in the AFLW space, the opportunity for the team that deserves a home grand final. And I'm happy to argue that it should have been at the Gabba. I mean, that's fine. If we want to make that argument, that's fine. But I think they, they deserve to at least have it in their home state. The Gabba's not available. That's going to be a problem going forward. And they need to make Springfield a little bit more enhanced in terms of seating and to open up the capacity a bit to 12,000. But, Nick, why does the AFLW have to have exactly the same rules when it comes to playing home finals as the AFL. The AFL has a completely different set of rules. Geelong, due to crowd capacity at Caninia Park or GMHBA Stadium, when it gets to 45,000, will put their hand up for home finals again. They can't have home finals there or couldn't this year because it was being redeveloped and the capacity is, is way down. So we will be having this argument in a year's time when Geelong's venue is up to 45,000. Yeah, but that's fine because it's a final. It doesn't matter. You can play home finals there, not the grand final. The grand final... You, you no, never the grand... But, Mick, we're agreeing. The grand final should always be at the MCG in the men's competition. That's set because it's the biggest venue in Australia and the most prestigious venue in Australia, the MCG. But why does the AFLW have to have the same neutral venue rule? Because you're giving, you're giving Brisbane actually advantage to win the grand final. It's good enough they got in there, but you're actually giving them a little bit more advantage to win the grand final, which is supposed to be an even space, even though they they they, they deserve the right. Melbourne and Brisbane both made the grand final, so there should be no no advantage. Should be neutral. But aren't you giving that advantage to Melbourne if you played at Icon Park and forced the Lions players to travel? Or played in Sydney then? But no one will go. Or, so that's well, ridiculous. Nah, I reckon you'll get more than eight thousand. In Sydney, for an AFLW oh. grand final between Brisbane and Melbourne. I reckon. You were going pretty well until you got to that point. Uh, Mick, hold the line. Uh, got something for you as well. A mystery craft beer bundle, thanks to Harry Dog. The largest range of alcohol online delivered. 
HairyDog.com. Jared on the road, you got a thought on this. Welcome to you, Jared. Yeah, Dwayne, I'm with you, mate. Play the thing in Brisbane. I mean, it, it, they've won the right. I mean, let's go back. If, you, if, if all these clowns that say they should be playing in Melbourne, it wasn't always played at the MCG either, guys. We've played it at other venues over the history of the AFL and VFL. So, you know, like, let's give them, the, the women in, in, in Brisbane, the right to have the grand final. So what is a small venue? It'll pack out and look great on the TV. Yeah, I agree with you. Oh, look, so, you know, we're on the same page with it, Jared. I, I do believe the AFLW, let's stop aligning it with everything that the AFL men's competition has done and the AFL men's competition's history. It's a different competition. It's got its own history that's being created. Not everybody plays each other once in it. If you finish top, you probably do deserve to have a home final in the AFL men's. But because the MCG is the home of football, I think it should stay there. But there are people that are arguing that that should have a home final rule as well, the grand final in the men's comp where the team that deserves to host it, be it in Perth or Adelaide or Sydney, should host the grand final there as well. So you and I are in agreement on this as well. I mean, the AFLW is a different competition with the different set of rules even when you consider you know, the, the lasso last possession out of bounds rule and a couple of the others that they've got. So... You know, the, the fact that they are trying to allow the AFLW to have a home final situation to give the team that deserves it an opportunity to have an advantage as opposed to making it a disadvantage for the Brisbane Lions players and an advantage for Melbourne if they travel. You can't host an AFL grand, W grand final at a neutral venue like you can an AFL grand final. That would be ridiculous. So, to be honest, um, I think this is the best of... You know, the, the world that we've got in the AFLW, you let the Brisbane Lions sell out Springfield. So, anyway, uh, hold the line, Jared. Got something for you as well. Um, you've got a family pass to the Gippsland Great Outdoor and 4x4 Expo uh, on at the Sale Racecourse from 25th to Sunday, 27th of November. Greg Swan has spoken out about it, the CEO of the Brisbane Lions. Here's what he had to say about the criticism of playing it at Springfield. A lot of grass experts, all of a sudden, journalists become grass experts, but we've actually had the grass expert up. He ticked it off last week. It's perfect, as you can see. Um, there's a few little bits and pieces to be done around, but, um, yeah, we, we look, to be honest, I'm a bit peeved at even this stuff. It's mainly coming out of Melbourne that, you know, this is just a training ground. It's actually a purpose-built AFLW ground. Like, it's a stadium... It's got grandstands. We've opened, you know, we've got open air here because of the weather. Uh, we can fit, you know, in, ultimately we'll fit 10 to 12,000 people here when it's all finished. Um, and, you know, knowing what's probably ahead of us, because even when you looked at the weekend, the grand final was going to be here, it was going to be at Icon or it was going to be in Adelaide, and all those grounds are only low teens grounds anyway. So, you know, I don't know what the big deal is about playing here in front of eight or 9,000 people. So, anyway... It is what it is. We uh, we earned the right. The facility's fantastic. The crowd you know, will sell it out really quickly. Uh, tickets went on sale at 2 o'clock today for our members and then 4 o'clock to the public. And we expected to sell out really quickly. Greg Swan, the CEO of the Lions. will take a break. Nicole Livingston has also spoken about it. Um, I was thinking we might talk some World Cup soccer uh, there's been plenty of text come through on it, but it looks like a few people still want to talk about this. So one three hundred seven three six seven three six 
Here's the number if you'd like to join me. You're with Dwayne's World and it's Midday Madness. Master Builders Victoria members get access to a wide range of expert advice and support services. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Yeah, I certainly can. Uh, AFLW works a little different to the AFL competition where the highest finishing team on the home and away that makes it through to the grand final wins the right to host the grand final. That has been the way that we've operated for the past six seasons and it's the way that we operate now in season seven. Um, So the Lions have won the right to host the the grand final and whilst you've been busy talking about it being a training venue, it is actually a purpose-built state-of-the-art AFLW match day venue um, that has been completed and is is ready to go. So we're pretty pleased with how the ground has come up, how the surface has come up and now we just get the joy of um, adding the infrastructure around it and adding, um, you know, the, the bells and whistles and pomp and ceremony that will go into an AFLW grand final. Nicole Livingston, boss of the AFLW, explaining it on Sports Day, giving them uh, a little whack on the way through. Uh, they're of the opposite view to me, obviously. Um, I think it's a good idea. They obviously think it's a training venue as well, and it's upset a few. Uh, so many texts have come through on it. So let me race through a heap of the texts on the 40 Wings Tampa text machine and then head back to your calls. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 Dwayne, they played minor round AFLW games at suburban venues, Casey, Arden Street, Unley Oval, regional venues. What's the difference with Brisbane's Oval? As you said, it's a different comp. The AFLW will grow and develop its history in its own time. Move on. Mark from Mount Barker. Thanks for your text, uh, Mark. Um, uh, the, the A-League doesn't have a neutral venue for its grand final. Uh, Dwayne, I think the biggest issue with the AFLW is the timing of the season. If the main grounds are unavailable in multiple states, surely the AFL need to find a better time for the season. Cam from Churnside Park. Um, Nick, I disagree with you, mate. You're talking bananas. Uh, ask that guy where the Richmond Giants grand final should have been played. Um, the women's game can't be in Melbourne, even with Brisbane having the advantage for promotion of the game. It should have been held at Giant Stadium in Sydney. They also had the chance to book Metricon weeks ago before Festival X changed venues, knowing full well Brisbane was on top. Uh, the Sydney Sixers are hosting a grand final this weekend at their home stadium. Uh, every Melbourne team gets an advantage every time they play a grand final at the MCG. The MCG is not a neutral venue. Uh, the Adelaide Oval is great for grand finals. Make it the place where all AFLW grand finals are played, just like the MCG for men. Um, look, that would be nice in a perfect world, but I just can't see the AFLW grand final between Melbourne and the Brisbane Lions getting a big crowd at the Adelaide Oval. So that's the issue with having it at a neutral venue as opposed to the men's game. And again, it's a different competition, so let's not draw a line between what the rules are for the men's game and the rules are for the women's game because the men's grand final will sell out regardless of who's playing in any state in Australia. Uh, Good on the Brisbane Lions. They deserve it. That's from Dean. Um, The 2018 AFLW grand final was at Icon Park with a crowd of 7,000. Springfield holds 8,000. Aaron's argument is flawed. Mick in Brisbane. Um, why all the carry-on about Tasmania's weather, Dwayne? Melbourne's winter is often just as cold, but I never hear that stated by the Melbourne media. Uh, well, we state it all the time. That's from Jonathan in Croden's Creek in Tasmania. We state it all the time. That's why Marvel has a roof, because we thought that when we built a new venue in Melbourne, it needed to have a roof because of Melbourne's weather. And guess what? They're talking about putting a roof 
over the MCG with a new development there because, and if you only have to look outside in the last couple of weeks, Melbourne's weather, if you want to play in front of full houses more often, needs venues with roofs because it's too damn cold to go religiously every week and get rained on. Hi, Dwayne. I'll fly to Tassie to watch footy only if it has a roof. Too cold. Otherwise, Rick from Rye. Hi, Dwayne. The stadium in Hobart needs a roof so it becomes even more economically viable as then Hobart can host concerts, events, etc. in the colder climate. And having the Tasmania team financially viable is a key. Yeah, the government are going to have to stump up a lot of money initially. And maybe for a long time, they'll have to continue to plough money in. But if the state government in Tasmania doesn't plough money in, guess who will have to? You're right. All the big clubs in the AFL will have to pay for it. Uh, Launceston is crap. Herbart's much better. And they host the cricket as well. Jason, uh, colder in Ballarat than Hobart. Just saying. That's another text. And you're right. And that's why the Commonwealth Games coming to regional Victoria is going to be fantastic. Because guess what? They're putting more grandstands and more wind blockage around the stadium, Mars Stadium in Ballarat, to make it a more hospitable place to go and watch sport. Because at the moment, it does get windswept and weather affected quite a lot. Um, a lot of people like to stand. So there's someone that's in favour of it being played at Springfield as well. Uh, Pipe, why was it sold to Springfield, which has an 8,000 stadium, when it could have been played on the bloody Gold Coast or the Gabba? Well, they're full at the moment. So they've already got something on, so they can't play it there. Um, and uh, when it comes to soccer, uh, too much soccer. That's from Gary. Well, we haven't even taken any calls on the soccer just yet. We're about to talk more about soccer. We're about to head to Doha and speak to our French journalist there. Uh, 100% I've caught the World Cup soccer bug. That's from Anthony. Another one here, definitely waking up tomorrow, Duano, to watch the boys. And another here, I love the World Cup despite Qatar's human rights record. Uh, I sleep early so I can see it at 3 a.m. And Dwayne, you're right. The World Cup has an aura like the Olympics. It's been ingrained into us. I can remember in 92 as a nine-year-old, I was late for school because my dad wanted me to watch the final. That was the one where Baggio missed a penalty. Needless to say, my Italian teacher was not very happy to teach us that day. And I was at the Italian club in Geelong for that game as well. And boy, the Italian fans obviously are feeling a little sad given that Italy didn't qualify for this World Cup. Back to your calls. After a quick break for news, you with Dwayne's World and the number. Brought to us by Werribee Kia, 1300 736 736. It's Midday Madness. Yeah, brought to you by Master Builders. Get expert legal advice. Become a Master Builders Victoria member today. Back to your calls. Heaps to give away as well for Midday Madness. Shorter show today because we're heading to the MCG at 2 o'clock for the third one-day international between Australia and England. Jared Whateley leading the team at the MCG. So many texts have come through, so we'll get back to your calls, but a couple of texts that have come through, uh, quite a few on footy. Um, Dwayne, how good is it, was it to see Clarko down at Arden Street? Um, that's from Matt. There's been a few of those that have come through, and I've heard them read out by other shows as well, talking about how much love there's been for Alistair Clarkson being back in control. Um, Quite a few on this neutral venue and the Springfield issue. As the draw is compromised, I think the higher team should have home ground advantage for the grand final. Uh, neutral venue would be fair for both. 
Uh, Mike, it's just that a neutral venue for an AFLW Grand Final is not going to draw a crowd. That's the problem. Uh, the Adelaide Oval sounds like a great thing if you want to lock that in as the AFLW Grand Final venue like the MCG is. But guess what? The Adelaide Oval at this time of year has cricket locked in and the drop-in pitch in the middle getting ready for the Adelaide Test. So you're not going to be able to play it at the Adelaide Oval either. Um, I've even got texts from, I won't name the person, but you know, fairly high up um, in Brisbane. Um, Springfield will be sensational and there's bench seating around the ground. Uh, the government's given $60 million um, and a chance to showcase it is going to be invaluable for football in Brisbane. So there's a few people coming through from Brisbane as well. Even the text to my phone saying that this is going to be fantastic for the growth of football in Brisbane. And let's face it, it's not just the growth of football in Brisbane, it's the growth of football in Queensland. And the growth of football in Queensland means that the AFL will have to... Will Collingwood, Essendon, all the big clubs can stop writing as big a check as they need to write to keep the Suns alive because that's what we're doing at the moment. The quicker football grows in Queensland, the smaller the check you're going to have to write to keep the Suns um, in the competition and viable. Uh, another here, I'm like the French, can't name anyone in the Australian team either. That's from Mike. Uh, Dan says, I agree that a team should have the right to host the AFLW Grand Final, but there does need to be some minimum standards in place for the venue. Cheers, Dan. And they do have, I mean, they have put some infrastructure in to make sure that, and I know a few people have called it a training venue, but they have put some infrastructure in place. In fact, um, Nicole Livingston was also asked, I think on Sports Day as well, about whether there was a thought to have it somewhere else and not a Springfield. Um, Here's what Nicole Livingston, the boss of the AFLW's response to that was. Well, I think first and foremost, um, you know, we, we are not the AFL men's competition, so we have tried to remain unique. As you would know, um, we've got, came, we've got different rules in place, some different rules in place, different numbers on the ground, different uh, game lengths as well. So, you know, I don't think we need to look at the men's competition and try to be exactly like that. Of course, your competition's had 160 years away from the glare of social media to be able to develop and uh, get it to the position it's in now in 2022. So... We're pretty confident with, with what we're doing and bringing all 18 teams into the competition this year and bringing it forward um, to the time frame that we brought it forward to. Obviously, there's going to be some lumps and bumps with having two seasons in one year, but I'm happy to navigate our way through those lumps and bumps because the alternative is waiting another 18 months to deliver Season 7 of AFLW. Nicole Livingston continuing um, on Sports Day last night. Uh, midday Madness for Melbourne Roadside Rescue. Put the wrong fuel in your car. Visit upshipcreek.com.au. Our journalist from France is going to join us straight out of the 1 o'clock news. So looking forward to heading over to Doha to talk to Julian Lorenz, French journalist, ahead of tomorrow morning's World Cup game between Australia and France. Need to take a break. I promise we'll get back to your calls. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 A couple more texts, though, on the way to the break. Uh, when will people stop thinking it's the VFL? Rob from Langwarren. Uh, how is the MCG a neutral grand final venue? I'm laughing. Ben in Adelaide. Um, definitely waking up tomorrow to watch the boys. Uh, Duano. Uh, quite a few coming through on the World Cup. I miss Paul the Octopus. Do they have a replacement this year? Steve in Glen Iris. Uh, it should be like the NFL Super Bowl. It moves around yearly. Dean. Which, look, if you want to make the AFL grand final move around yearly, that's fine as a theory. 
But the MCG and the MCC pay a lot of money to have it locked into the MCG. If you ask the players, if you did a poll of the players, I think they would rather play the AFL Grand Final at the home of football. Now, if you want to rotate it every five years, then maybe that's something we can do in the future. But it's locked in to the MCG, the home of football. It's the biggest venue in Australia. And to me, it's the right venue for the AFL Grand Final. I think the players like playing there, even though I know it does give the Melbourne teams an advantage on Grand Final Day. Another one here talking about our, pre- our first caller, uh, suggesting he rings in all the time about taxpayers' money um, and the new stadium in Tasmania. I wasn't aware of that, but um, you know, I'm not sure that's true or not. But it was you know, a reasonable argument to kick off the show. So um, Midday Matter started in style. We'll take a break. Julian Lorenz from Doha in about 20 minutes from now. But your calls up until 1 o'clock and then the cricket from the MCG at 2. Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale. Perfect for all occasions and the ultimate crowd pleaser. Drink responsibly. Master Builders Victoria. Supporting Victorian builders for over 147 years. Not a member yet. Call today. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Always great to have your company for Dwayne's World and for Midday Madness. Too much to get to. Too little time. Cricket coming away from 2 o'clock from the MCG. So only a two-hour show today. One of the big talking points obviously, is the World Cup. We'll be heading to Doha shortly. Uh, A text here. Dwayne, can you ask your correspondent about the non-existent concussion protocols of the World Cup? Uh, The Iranian goalie made the decision to stay on after 10 minutes of injury time, and then after two minutes as play played on, gestured that he was not right and was replaced. Uh, All this talk about armbands and inclusion and diversity, but there's been no talk about this. 14 minutes of injury time. This bloke should have been off. Um... Paul and St. Leonard's, it was bizarre. I watched it unfold last night live and the World Cup concussion protocol does have a big loophole. I mean, he looked concussed. I'm not an expert, but he looked in trouble. They took a long, long time to work out whether he was or wasn't um, going to be forced to remove himself from the field. The goalkeeper, in the end, they allowed him to stay on and continue to compete. But as the texter Paul has said, uh, he continued on for about two minutes and then just laid down on the ground and they stretched him off. That's how bad he was. So whatever assessment they did on the ground, um, they didn't assess that he was two minutes away from having to lay down and actually be stretched from the field. He didn't walk from the field um, slightly dazed. He had to be stretched off. So they need to work out what their concussion protocol is obviously. Uh, the other issue has been the armband issue, and I will ask Julian Lorenz uh, about the issue and how big it is from the French media's point of view, but it has been reported fairly heavily here in Australia. It was interesting to hear Anna Mears on, on Julian de Stoop's program earlier today talk about Olympic athletes and whether they can have a voice on issues they're passionate about um, during the Olympic Games in 2024 in Paris, uh, and she did address it. Firstly, um, here's Roy Keane saying that Harry Kane and Gareth Bale should have worn the One Love band last night. They did wear armbands last night, but it was for inclusiveness. They didn't wear the armband with the rainbow on it. Uh, here's what Roy Keane said about them not wearing the one that they were told they would be yellow carded for during play last night.
Yeah, I'll go to that shortly. It's not playing at the moment, but um, I will get back to Roy Keane. Here's Anna Mears then. We'll try and give Anna Mears um, and what she had to say about two hours ago on SEN. So she's Australia's chef de mission for the 2024 Olympic Games in Paris and has said that the Australian Olympic athletes can have a voice on issues they are passionate about at the Olympic Games, but clarified that not during competition and not on the podium. So obviously the soccer players in Doha wanted to make a statement during the competition itself, but that won't be allowed at the Olympic Games, according to Anna Mir. So uh, from what I understand, from what you, she was saying, no rainbow armbands um, will be allowed for Australian athletes at the Paris Olympics. And the way she explained it, I think she said that the athletes have made that decision as a choice themselves as a group after being polled, even though we really don't know who will be in the Australian teams, uh, who's actually going to qualify and been selected yet. So maybe once the full team is announced, they'll have to poll them again to see if they're still happy not using their platform during competition on the podium for issues that they are passionate about. But here's Anna Mears from a couple of hours ago, our chef de mission during Julian's program. I'm all for the athlete voice, and I know that the AOC are really big on bringing in the Athletes Commission and um, chair uh, the, the outgoing chair Steve Hooker did a lot of work with the with the commission, um, sending out a survey to the alumni, bringing in you know what they felt around athlete voice and how that should work and what it should look like. And the feedback was really overwhelmingly the voice should be heard. However, there is a, a place for it, and they, the athletes of the Australian team, didn't feel the podium or the field of play was a place to do it because they had so many platforms in other areas to be able to um, to do that. So we respect that, and that's what we're working with, and um, and we welcome an athlete voice within the Australian Olympic team. So there it was, Anamias. Uh, they, the athletes have decided, not the podium or the field of play. They can have a voice, but they won't be having a, a voice on the podium or the field of play. We'll get your calls on that, and Julian Lorenz not far away. Here with Dwayne's one. Master Builders Victoria members get access to a wide range of expert advice and support services. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Ian in Ringwood's been holding for a little while. Ian, welcome to you. Good, good afternoon, Dwayne. Uh, I don't know whether anyone's raised this with you already today, but uh, I was wondering whether you could tell us, is there any substance to the story of Simon Lloyd is leaving Geelong and going to North Melbourne? That's apparently the story. The new CEO, Simon Lloyd, from Geelong to North Melbourne as their CEO. There's a couple of teams that need CEOs. Collingwood needs one. Essendon is after one. Uh, North Melbourne looking for a replacement for Benamafio. And Simon Lloyd, who's done various jobs at various clubs and has been brilliant uh, as Geelong footy boss, sounds like he's the front runner for the job. Ian, are you a North Melbourne man? Are you happy with that? Well, no, I'm a Geelong man. <laughs> right. <laughs> so... Um... I wish him all the best. He's been terrific uh, at Geelong as chief of football operations. I, I think is his official title. Uh, but uh, yeah, and that, if, if North Melbourne get him, obviously they'd offer him a lot of money. And I mean, you wouldn't think uh, he, he wouldn't be on peanuts at Geelong anyway. Uh, but if he does go, it'd be a great job available there for someone who knows what they're doing anyway. They got a suggestion? Uh, we've only got a few seconds to news. Who, who would take the job at Geelong? Do you think? Well, I don't 
don't know if there's anyone uh, that I can think of there who he's very well qualified. I think he's a trained psychologist or something or other. Yeah, he, he was in the psychology space at Clubland for a while. If you've got a thought on who replaces Simon Lloyd at Geelong, send us a text or give us a call to Doha next. Welcome back to Dwayne Talk. Great to have your calls and so many of your texts coming through. Obviously, the World Cup is the excitement machine that's about to take over our screens, especially tomorrow morning when Australia play France. We talk a lot about the different things that happen in world sport on this program, but the World Cup has suddenly taken everybody's imagination. Everyone's got their team. Everyone's got a second team. And Julian Lorenz from Doha has been good enough to join us. He's a football journalist, broadcaster based in London. He's with ESPN. He's from BT Sport. And you can catch the podcast, Gab and Jules, as well, if you want to catch his podcast. And he's been good enough to join us for a Macca's Coffee Catch-Up. Don't miss Macca's 30 Days and 30 Deals. Welcome to you, Julian. Thanks for coming on the program. Thank you for having me on. So it's pretty damn exciting for all of us, not just uh, Australians, but... The French as well. Most people expect France to beat Australia tomorrow morning. Both teams have a few injuries. Uh, talk me through the lead-up. Well, yeah, yeah there's, there's a lot of excitement for, for the French as well. The problem is, as you said, is that we've just lost potentially our best player in Karim Benzema, who uh, got injured on Saturday night, who left Doha and the French camp on Sunday morning. We should go... Really, a lot of drama within the national team. I think there's a lot of sadness amongst the squad, amongst the staff. That Benzema, who had been so looking forward to playing in this tournament, who just won the Ballon d'Or, uh, that he won't be there. So we kind of reshuffled the team a little bit uh, after the Benzema injury. Olivier Giroud will start up front. We still have Kylian Mbappe and Griezmann and those kind of guys, which is which is obviously very important and they are very good players. But I think the absence of of Benzema would be like a shadow really over that game against Australia tomorrow because because with him or without him, one, it's a very different front team. And two, I think the fact that he's not there anymore diminishes quite massively the chances for France to win the World Cup, but also makes that game against the Socceroos a bit more difficult because you know, Benzema is Benzema. So how much pressure is on France then, given that uh, they are the holders, so there's extra pressure there and they're expected to knock Australia over reasonably easily, aren't they? Yeah, I think the pressure the pressure was dead like, even before the Benzema injury, uh, but it's really hard to retain your title. The last country to have done it was Brazil in 1962. To show you how hard it is, it's just, it really never happened. Brazil in 1962, Italy in, in, in 38, and that's it. So we knew that before. I think the players and, and Deschamps knew that too. The fact that Benzema, I mean, I think the Benzema injuries changes a little bit the expectations that we have. If you have no Pogba, no N'Golo Kante, no Kresnet Kimpembe, no Karim Benzema, and also if you have no Christopher Nkunku, we've got four of our starters that are already out for this tournament. So I think now people in France just expect maybe, or just hope that France will have a good tournament. But winning it, I think now is is going to be very, very difficult, almost impossible. For the game against Australia, the pressure is a bit different because you're right, we are the favourite, I think, to, to go through. It's the same first game that we had four years ago, if you remember, in Russia, and I was there, and that was ahead of a game. That was very difficult for France. We were lucky to win against you four years ago because you just made the game hard for us, and I think it's exactly the same that will happen tomorrow. 
And I'm not sure that in the context of France, with all those injuries, all the players missing, that playing Australia first is, is the game that they would have won because they would be physical. They would be aggressive. You are so good on set pieces, which is one of France's weaknesses. And, and I don't know, it's just, a, it's just a difficult game. And I think the boys, the players, know it and they feel it. And, and we will speak to Deschamps in, in a little bit. His press conference is at 12 o'clock my time here in Qatar. So I will get ready after speaking to you and go to his press conference. He will be always as well. But I can guarantee you already that there will be a bit of apprehension for the French and for Deschamps before playing Australia tomorrow. So what kind of style will they play, the French? And will this alter their style, the fact that they've got so many of their stars out? And do you think, even though a draw is kind of going to be a win for the Socceroos, do you think it, it makes them vulnerable and the Australian team might attack them more? So, I mean, in, in terms of team, we, we have a few other like, interrogations, let's put it that question mark. The mm. fact that Rafael Varane has been training with the team for the last two days, but... He hasn't played for over a month now. So, will he start? Will he not start? If he doesn't start, we go to a very young defense. Also, suddenly the two players of centre back, Konate, Upamecano, maybe Saliba and Konate, Saliba or Upamecano. Those are very young players with not much experience and suddenly he's never played in World Cups before. So, I think this is something again that Australia can exploit. Maybe for the rest, you'll have Griezmann, you'll have Mbappe, you'll have Dembele. You've got two. Midfielders in Rabio and Chouameni, who again, Chouameni especially is really young, but they've never played in World Cup before. They've played Champions League football, but they've never played in World Cup before. So again, I think this is something that the lack of experience, the lack of, of kind of knowledge of having been there before, could be could be a weakness for France. That again, I think the Australian who maybe will deal with the pressure a bit more because for you, there's not the holders. For the French, like we said earlier, the pressure is huge. Then you have Giroud up front. Uh, and then Pavar and Lucas Hernandez, the two fullbacks. So this this should be the French team. I think I think Australia have a have a chance there to even maybe just as you said get a point, which would be a win for you. But if you're compact, if you don't play too deep but but play well defensively, uh, don't give us much space, and then exploit the set pieces, especially. But for me, this is the key of the game uh, because the French have really struggled recently, and and Australia, you know. You certainly have the size to be good on the pieces. And then counter-attacking, but we can, you know, I think we will have some defenders who are quite quick to maybe nullify your counter-attacks. But I think you can cause a lot of problems to the French. So it will be fascinating tactically, I think, uh, between the two teams, but especially see what France do with the ball, which they will have a lot of, and not much space to run. So if you think France, because of their injuries, are less likely to win, who do you think is the biggest threat or the favourite for the tournament. I know that uh, the bookmakers have Brazil and Argentina up there. Uh, the English think this is their big chance as well. Now, Spain, Germany is always difficult to beat. Uh, who do you think are the main teams for this one? Yeah, I think it's a really, I mean, it's a really open tournament. I really think, I know Brazil and Argentina, and I think rightly so. They deserve to be a bit ahead of everybody else, and maybe even Brazil ahead of, ahead of Argentina too, just because it's Brazil and because they have this really incredible squad. You can maybe pick a little weakness in the fullbacks, maybe defensively with Thiago Silva's age, but it's still so impressive. When you look at the nine forwards that they have in the squad, it's just, it's just, it's just mad, really. So Brazil slightly above Argentina. I think for me, I see Argentina doing all the way. 
the last the last four winners of the World Cup have been all Europeans. There's always been a European finalist in in the history of the World Cup. So so you know that Europe will probably have someone there. Will it be France? Like we said, I think it's very unlikely now with all the injuries. Could it be Germany? I think the lack of a number nine is a problem here. Spain, maybe, who did so well at the Euros in the semi-final, who maybe should have beaten Italy in the semi-final. I think could could be there. England as well, although defensively, Harry Maguire, Gareth Southgate, I'm not too convinced that they can really go all the way. And then you've got countries like, you know, the Netherlands, maybe, that can create uh, a surprise if you want. Belgium, what about that golden generation who've always said so far, maybe they're finally going to win something. Uh, and and then I think if you go if you look into African teams, Senegal have to be even without Sergio Mane, the strongest of the five African teams. But are they strong enough to go in the semi-finals, for example? I'm not I'm not so sure either. So I think we have to say Brazil slightly above Argentina, and then behind them it would be a European country. It's just that all those European countries have a weakness somewhere. It looks like it feels like Argentina and Brazil right now don't really have a weakness. And can I ask you the balance of the the stories that you're covering and the way you cover them in France, Julian, in comparison to the way it's been broadcast around the world? How many uh, have you talked about the the situation with Stadia? Have you talked about the situation with the conditions there for those fans? Have you talked about the rainbow armbands? Much? How is it being reported in France this World Cup as a whole? Yeah, you know what's really interesting, Dwayne, and is that the players haven't really don't want to talk about it, which is very strange. It's a very usually the French has you know we a lot on human rights and we talk a lot about political issues and and things like that. The players have really distanced themselves, which I'm not sure is a good thing, really, because they have such a strong voice. You know, they are they are examples for a model for a lot of people, and they have a they have a big set to think, a big yeah, big set to, a big thing to say, usually on everything. And Hugo Lloris really is the only one as a captain to have talked about the issues here in Qatar, like you said, the migrant workers and what's happening, you know, on all the building sites and there still are many here in Doha on you know, LGBT plus community right here and all that kind of stuff. He doesn't want to wear the uh, one love armband. And like a hurricane, for example, and you always and you can see his point saying, like, "Listen, we're going to a country, and we have to adapt to their culture, and and you know, and how, how they see things, and and how they do, and their rules, if you want." Okay, I, I I kind of get it, but still, this is you know, this is the World Cup, and all those questions are so important. But they didn't really want to talk about it. We heard our president Emmanuel Macron saying, "Well, we can't really mix football and politics and things like that." And, you know, there's a lot of Qataris' interest and money in France, especially in Paris. They own, like, like PSG, for example, but they own loads of things in France. There's a very strong relationship between the French government and the Qatari um, government or the Emir of Qatar. So maybe this is why it's a bit different. It seems like for our players or our president or our head of the federation or our manager and the additional head coach, and they, don't, they haven't really spoken about that. If you look at other countries like England, like the Netherlands, for example, they've been quite on the front foot in terms of all those issues here. The French are so much, you can find it disappointing, and, and I kind of agree to that. But I think their point of view is like, let's focus on the football we're here, we want to enjoy the World Cup. The people here in Doha, and clearly, 
are enjoying it. You can see they're so happy that the World Cup is here. They're, they're different fans than the ones we have in Europe than the ones you have in Australia, maybe. So they still love their football. Yeah, okay, yesterday they left early in the, in the Qatar quarter game, and I don't know if it'll be the same in every game. But, but they also want to enjoy it. However, we cannot not talk about the issues that are in this country because this is what football is about as well. You know, this, we are all here. And we hate to talk about the football, but we also hate to talk about everything else. And hoping that football can help make life easier and better here for the for the people who right now don't have it that easy. Yeah, it's uh, going to be interesting to see. Do you think it will become a, a bigger story as the tournament evolves, Julian? Because players do like to have a voice. We say that sport and politics, or has been said in the past, shouldn't mix. You should separate them. But we don't anymore. The LeBron James sort of shut up and dribble days are long gone. I mean, players have a voice, they have opinions, and they have a right to use them. And the world, in some ways, especially the LGBT plus community, almost needs a voice that is as loud as this. Yeah, you're right completely. And that's why I can understand if people are disappointed by the French players, for example, for not taking uh, a stronger stance, really, in this, in this, is- in this issue, in this argument. Uh, I think now, though, that the football has started, we had the opening game, obviously, yesterday, and now we've got what is it, three games today and then four games and four games. So now we will talk about the football. And, and this is a good thing as well. Let's not forget, we're here also um, mostly for the football. But I, and I really felt that if, if, if we, we should have talked about this in the build-up of the tournament, like going into the, 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 the start of it, now it's, it's a bit more difficult because, again, it will be all about the football, and, and, and it should be. So maybe we kind of missed the trick a little bit, certainly on the French point of view, that we had a few days there where a lot of players came for press conferences, uh, and, and uh, we had time then to talk about something else than football. Now it might be a bit more difficult, but, but I, I, I think you're right. I hope that we keep talking about it, you know, us, because we also have this kind of, this is, this is our job too for us here on the ground. I don't know when I will come back to Doha and I'm here now and I'm here to talk about the football, of course, with you, with, you know, with, with ESPN, with everybody. This is great. But I also want to say, you know, this is what I'm seeing here on the ground. I'm seeing this is happening. This, this is how we welcome. This is what people say. This is how people talk. And, and you know, this is, this is also very important to see what people are doing with Amnesty International, for example, to help those migrant workers uh, you know, to see if, if their people are coming here. I want to see how they feel. I want them to feel comfortable. I want them to feel happy. So not to go as far as what Gianni Infantino did the other day in his speech, which was crazy. Uh, and certainly, I don't think he, he, he handled it the right way. And, and I think that what he said actually was completely counterproductive. However, we, have, we still have that you know, that job to do and, uh, and I'm really hoping even if the players start focusing on their football and, and us in a way as well that we keep talking about those issues and how we can help the people here again have a better life Julian great to have you on the program I really appreciate you giving us some time so uh, good luck to the French good luck to you thank you so much I'm going back to bed but uh, I know it's the afternoon uh, um, for you when we record this in Australia so good luck to the Australians really I really love you as a country and as people, so I hope you do well. Not so much against me, but maybe if you can get something against Denmark and then beat Tunisia and the two of us qualify for the last 15, that would be good. That would be nice. Uh, Julian Lorenz, French football journalist, 
broadcaster with ESPN, BT Sport, and you can catch him on the Gab and Jaws podcast as well. Back after the break, great to have your company on Dwayne's World. Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale. Perfect for all occasions and the ultimate crowd pleaser. Drink responsibly. Master Builders Victoria. Supporting Victorian builders for over 147 years. Not a member yet? Call today. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Always great to have your company on Dwayne's World. Straight back to your calls. one 736 is the open line number. Tom and Seaford. About to come to you, the open line brought to us by Werribee awarded National Kia Car Dealer of the Year. Werribee Kia makes buying cars easy. Uh, and Dwayne's World brought to you by um, OHS Support. If you want to get it, become a Master Builders Victoria member today. Great to have Master Builders Victoria on board. Tom, as we head back to the callers, welcome to you, Tom. You've got a thought on the armband situation in Doha. Well, I do, Dwayne, and welcome back, by the way. I hope you had a great break. Dwayne, um, I've got some real issues with uh, compelled thinking and getting pressured to agree with things, mainly to do of the left. Uh, it seems to me that uh, we're in dangerous ground here because what I've noticed is that uh, there's these issues you must agree with, and if there was any other issue raised... Let me give you an example. If, if, if the player wanted to... Uh, put on an, uh, an emblem of two little feet, which is a sign for uh, pro-life, you could get... There'd be plenty of people who would uh, not agree to play with that person. But you must agree with the current causes. Now, what I, what I find interesting with all this is that uh, this all changes when it's non-Christian people playing. When you have non-Christians or just... Uh, they're, they're, to- they're tolerated, their views are tolerated. For example, Dan Andrews makes no comment about Hanin Saviki, nor does Magda Zabanki, nor does Peter Fitzsimons, nor does anyone. Nobody brings a Muslim person onto the radio and interviews them about their personal beliefs. And yet we have to find some way to have tolerance for beliefs uh, across the board. But it, when it's a Christian person who has conservative views, they are piled on and, and driven into the ground. But the, the, the same people say nothing when it's a non-Christian religion. For example, if anybody thinks in the Islamic world they will, they will accept the rainbow emblem by anyone, they just will not tolerate it. I'm not saying I agree with it, Dwayne, but the, the, the causes seem to be very selective that they get behind. And I just want to know why one particular group is piled on, other groups, their tolerance found... For example, the cultural left in Australia do not want, including in the sporting world, do not want a row with Islam, but they're quite happy to have it with Christians. We couldn't see a perfect example of that than Andrew Thornburn. If Andrew Thornburn, then we're told... Yeah, Tom, let's not, let's, not go into the, let's not go into the political side of it, Tom, and let's keep it to sport. To, to be honest, I don't see why anybody wouldn't be for equality and against racism. So there are, are some things that I think the whole world uh, needs to... Um, be across and stand up for and equality uh, is one thing that I think we are pretty unified on and being against racism I think is something that we are pretty unified on. There's been a lot of text come through as well and I appreciate your call on it. Simon O'Donnell is about to join us at the MCG but um, look we could go down uh, the track of getting really political on it and becoming very religious based in our thinking but if you keep it to the surface and give it some thought about just equality 
and being against racism, then I think it's something that, uh, well, I'm for. So let's just put it at that, even though um, the religion and the politics side of things is something that people like to lean towards when we talk about things as simple, I think, as equality and being against racism. Uh, one here, it's a disgrace that these organisations and countries uh, can be so offended by a rainbow flag or armband or T-shirt. goes all the way back to Tommy Smith and John Carlos, the IOC, or even the AOC not wanting to politicise the games, yet countries bidding for the Olympics is all about politics. And I know that it's something that's from Damien, that text, that gets a lot of people irate. And there are quite a few callers and texters on the line that have been quite irate about it in the last 24 hours, as they always are when equality and racism gets raised as an issue for sports people to stand up, you know, against racism and for equality. Um, but there's people in positions like myself who do talkback radio who do have, I think, a responsibility to talk about the want for equality across the board and the want to end racism. And that's why, um, you know, there are it's an important platform for sport people as well, I think, when they get that chance to use their platform for good. A couple of other texts that have come through on Geelong. Pipe, tell Geelong, keep their hands off Tom Harley. Simon Lloyd's replacement is as a footy boss at Geelong, so I don't think Tom Harley as a CEO of the Swans will be moving to Geelong footy boss, so I can't see that happening. But another one here on the text, bring home Jimmy Bartell, Dwayne. So that could be something that the Cats could look at. Heading to the MCG, some news. Simon O'Donnell next. And the cricket coming your way at two. Please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a man of will and taste. Plenty of text coming through on the 40 Wings Temper text. T-E-M-P-U-R. Mattresses, pillows like no other. Check out the Temper range online. T-E-M-P-U-R. Consumer's Choice winner. Temper mattresses, pillows and adjustable bases conforms to the exact shape of your body. Heading to the MCG after two o'clock. Simon O'Donnell... Well, he wasn't part of the team, but he's part of the team, and he's at the MCG, which is good news. Welcome to you. Scoop, great to have you back on. Minor malfunction on my electrical diary, Dwayne. Right. Minor malfunction that I forgot I was doing this game. But I tell you what, I'm very pleased to be here. It's going to be a ripper because the Poms are proud, and they don't want to go down in straight sets in this competition. They'll be dead set red hot to win today. So tell me if I'm wrong, but do we have a pretty average record in dead rubbers? Yes, we do. We do, and for that reason, that um, you know, it it is that way. But the, look, England here. What are we now? Just a bit over a week ago, you know, won a won a World Cup. Um, so you know, they'll, they'll be cock a hoop about that, and and being back on the ground, they're very familiar with the majority of them in this squad anyway. That. Um, they had one of the great victories of all their careers uh, in the World Cup final. So they'll want to, they'll want to do well here today. And, and they're a proud cricketing team. They don't win a World Cup because they're not. So they'll be out there giving it a real dash today. And how's the weather looking, Simon? Uh, we're hoping for no rain and a full 50 overs each. Are your fingers crossed. How's it looking out your window? Uh, we'll be good. We'll be good. Um, the, there's a nice breeze blowing, which is good. A couple of light showers, you know, 10 or 15 minutes ago. When I say that, really light sprinkles. Players are still out kicking the soccer ball and whatever, so it didn't bother them. So uh, we'll we'll, uh, we'll get away on time at 2.20. The first ball's bowled. We're on air from 2. I think we're cutting into your valuable time, which yeah, we apologise yes. for. But 
Um, it gives you a little hour off to just have a bit of R and R, which yeah, sometimes you need after a long year, Dwayne. <laughs> you do. Uh, that's fifteen callers. I won't get on in the third hour, unfortunately, Simon. But <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. I like having the one day as on. To be honest, it's it's background music for my summer. So if I've got a choice between having cricket or not having cricket, I'd rather have cricket. So that's where I stand on it. I like. I still like the fifty over format. Now you're about to broadcast it, so I'm sure you're not about to tell me you don't like it, but. It's it's nice to have the variation, isn't it? Even if the crowds haven't turned up, it's nice to have it on the telly and the radio. Well, Dan, how did how did we like it back in the the good old days? You know, if you scored one eighty to two twenty, you mm. won nine out of ten games, and people sat there for fifty overs while you did that. Now we spend you know fifty overs, they make three hundred plus and lose. So <laughs> yes. you know the game. I think the innovation of the twenty twenty and and just how well bowlers can control innings um, or batters can control innings against bowlers now, I think the one-day game has, has really been revamped because of the, the influx of 2020. So I really look forward to it because you, you know, you're seeing really good shots and, and value for shots and bowlers, you know, they really have to get it right. Or, gee, they, they pay, a, pay a dear price. What I don't like, though, is when you rotate players out and you get them ready for the test series. So Mitchell Starks, not playing. I certainly don't like it when your captain gets sort of rotated out and rested. How do you feel about all that? Yeah, um, Mitch is just, look, he's having a break. I think he, he's having a break because that ball he bowled to Darwin Milan the other night in Sydney is as good a cricket ball as you'll mm. ever see bowled. And that's, I think, was just this gentle reminder to everyone to say, hey, if there ever Australia playing a white ball match that means something... Make sure Mitchell Stark gets it when it's got the kookaburra on and it's brand new because he bowls some scintillating deliveries, devastating deliveries. He did that the other night, which was absolutely brilliant at the top of the order for Australia. So why he wasn't in all the T20 games uh, during the World Cup, I'm not 100% sure, but we, we let sleeping dogs lie. Now we move on and he's back in his rightful spot. Yes, he's having a bit of a break tonight. Ashton Agar is going to play in the PM's 11 starting tomorrow in Canberra, so he, he's gone up there. and um, So they're, they're the two changes we know with the Aussies, but you know we haven't tossed here yet, so we haven't got the full team sheet in, Dwayne. Have you wandered out to peruse the pitch? Have you stuck your key in it, Simon? Are we batting first if we win it? Well, I went to wander out, Dwayne, and the fellow in the yellow jacket, he looked at me funny, and I said, do you know who I am? And he said, just get out. <laughs> so I just came straight back upstairs, Dwayne, to be fair. I'm glad you so used the D. So what I can you know tell you about the G, it, it's circular, and there's a pitch in the middle of it. That's all I can <laughs> tell you today. He was bloody rude, that bloke. I'll be chasing him down, taking down an old um, Wrigley's cricket card to him this afternoon. and say, mate, see, you shouldn't have been rude to me. I, was, I could play one day, you know. I've enjoyed you on breakfast, Simon. Your sense of humour has been great, so it's been a lot of fun having you on. I heard you have a double dose of the Dave Warner talk today, so it was nice to hear that. Right? Has, there's been times when he hasn't endeared himself to the Australian cricket public. Uh, do you think his statement today is going to win him back some friends or, or lose him a few more? <laughs> no, I don't think he's won any friends today, Dwayne. No. No, I think, note, stays, I think the status quo stays about where it was. Yeah, I think so as well. Great to have you, Simon. Look forward to the commentary. Gerard Whateley leading the team. Third and final one day at the National. 2pm, Simon O'Donnell, Gerard Whateley, Chris Rogers and Adam Collins coming your way. I'll let you go and get a, a free sandwich 
from the cafe there, Simon, and a quick coffee, and we'll talk soon. Well, look forward to it, mate. Simon O'Donnell joining us at the MCG. So, yes, I'm off air at 2, and the cricket on air at 2 on SEN. Take a break. Back to your calls and your text straight after this. You're with Dwayne's Bob. Master Builders Victoria members get access to a wide range of expert advice and support services. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. At the end of the day, I'm, I'm not a criminal. Um, you, you should get a right of an appeal. I understand that they put a ban in place, but banning someone for life, I think, is a bit harsh. It's had disappointing that when you make a decision in 2018, it's in four days, and then this takes nine months. It's been drawn out. It's, you know, it's traumatic for me and my family um, and everyone else that was involved in it. I've done everything I've had to do possibly right. Let's go out there and play the best brand of cricket I could, um, help the teammates as much as I could as well. David Warner's voice there. I asked Simon O'Donnell before the break uh, whether he thought that Dave Warner would have won back a few friends or whether he might have lost a few more, given that he hasn't always endeared himself to the Australian cricket public. That was the comment from David Warner on his captaincy ban, leadership ban that I was talking to Simon O'Donnell about, if you haven't heard it, just to put it into some kind of context. one three hundred seven three six seven three six is the open line if you'd like to join me. A couple of quick plugs, so much to get to, so little time. If you'd like to, your chance of winning some free flights, accommodation and tickets to the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi-finals for you and a friend. McDonald's are giving away three double prizes. It's a total of six lucky fans heading to Doha. You can head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the world's biggest football game. Hurry, competition ends Saturday. Maccas together and loving it. Terms and conditions, obviously, apply. And for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives and birthdays, if you want to give a birthday shout-out, you can on the text right now, and I'll read one or two. A few famous birthdays today, American tennis star Billie Jean King amongst them. Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au, Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. A couple of texts that have come through, now quite a few have come through today, but I haven't got to them all. Uh, One on our interview with Julian Lorenz from Doha, our French correspondent. Uh, I understood about 10 words of that interview, Dwayne. Uh, thanks for that, Ron, in Kahuna. Um, and uh, another one saying that it needed subtitles. And I should have pronounced his name correctly, uh, given the way I pronounced it. But uh, I didn't want to drop into a French accent just to try and get his name correct. But, yeah, I might have put an Australian slant on it. I apologise for that. Hey, Dwayne, Tassie needs a roof on the stadium. It becomes a multi-purpose venue for all events then in Tasmania. And James and Ivanhoe has caught on the Tassie team as well. So let's get James to wear. Welcome to you, James. G'day, Dwayne. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Mate, I've just got to say before we start that I reckon you're the best caller on TV. You beat the rest hands down. I love listening to you call a game of football. James, I really appreciate it. And uh, for those thinking it's a set-up... Uh, you're not a relative of mine, but I appreciate the sentiment. Um, I get whacked enough, so it's nice to get some love every now and then. Your thoughts on a Tassie team? Mate, it should have happened years and years ago. Uh, it's just a, it's absolute disgrace that we're even even thinking about 50-50 on it. The first Four of the first 25 legends of the game were Tasmanian, and you do it per capita, we would have miles above everybody else. But 
AFL's just trained the good players, let the rest of it go to rotten, go to the seed, the rest of the league are stuffed because all they've done is look after the top echelon, the top few players, and they can try and get them in an AFL club and it's gone. So we need it back to get football back. So the good news is, James, we kind of feel that it will happen. They will get a 19th licence. We might have to wait a little bit of time, but at least they can get the prep right, get their entry right, and maybe, for those who love their NBL, the Jack Jumpers have done it well. They've been competitive from day one. So that's what we hope for Tasmania as well, James. Yeah, very much. And I, I hear that the, the AFL are thinking about, which I think is very, very smart, it's given, it's given the Tassie side the same amount of first draft picks as what the others got, but they've got to trade them on to other clubs for players. So that they got the first five picks, they've got to trade, say, go to a, a, a Richmond for a, a Dustin Martin or someone like that, trade their players also. They get 11 ready-made good footballers, which is smart. Yeah, so they'll have a more mature team than the Giants in their first couple of years and the Suns in their first couple of years for, for those unaware, which has got to be fantastic. James, do you, are you of the thought that the, the, the Tasmanian Stadium, the, the new one needs to be built and it needs a roof? because that's one way of making it a more viable crowd situation uh, week in, week out, especially get some traffic from mainland to come down? I definitely think it needs a roof. Um, I don't know, there was some idiot on there this morning saying about the long system was dead, but you'll find that the most avid sports people in Tasmania are from the northwest coast and followers and supporters and, and watchers of sport. And Launceston was the centre, and you'll always get greater numbers in Launceston and Hobart because they don't follow it as much. So you need a roof because it's got to be it's got to be multi-purpose because the attendance figures won't get there as much, and we need to be able to show it on TV as often as we can. James, great to have you call. Uh, really appreciate it. Hope the line got something for you. Got a Dwayne's World T-shirt coming your way. Leave your name with Zoe or with A-Rod and uh, they'll sort you out with uh, a medium or a large, whatever might fit you. Got a couple of Dwayne's World t-shirts to give away this week. Thanks for your call. Um, and yeah, maybe a bit harsh on the caller we had earlier. Everyone's got an opinion. That's the beauty of this program. You get a chance to come on and raise your opinion. We had an opinion earlier on about Tasmania not needing a stadium with a roof in Hobart, but you know we agreed to disagree if you didn't hear that call from earlier. And I appreciate all your calls, to be honest. So thank you for those who've taken the time to call through on the Werribee Care open line today again. Werribee Care awarded National Care Car Dealer of the Year. Werribee Care makes buying cars easy. And drop down and see David and Janan and Aid and Jim and the whole team. They'd love to see you. I was down there this morning, and boy, they got some stock jammed in there. So drop down and say hello. Take a break. Back to wrap it up before we head to the MCG for the third one day international between Australia and England. Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale. Perfect for all occasions and the ultimate crowd pleaser. Drink responsibly. Master Builders Victoria. Supporting Victorian builders for over 147 years. Not a member yet. Call today. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Be great to have your company for Dwayne's World today. Lost in the wash tomorrow for Identifiber, your specialists in asbestos and hazardous materials assessments. We won't get a chance to have a chat about what's been lost in the wash today because we're handing over to the team at the MCG shortly. Dwayne's World, by the way, for Master Builders Victoria. Want the best in industry training? Contact Master Builders Victoria. And you can check out what happened on the program today on the podcast. Saw there on the podcast, Elijah Sardis, 
who might be Essendon's pick four at next Monday night's draft, had a chat to us. Uh, and if you want to have a listen back, it's there on the podcast. Julian Lorenz from Doha on the World Cup as well. This time tomorrow, no doubt, we'll be talking quite a bit about Australia's game v France, which takes place at around about, well, starts about 6 o'clock tomorrow morning our time. So it will be high on the agenda, even though uh, there's been a couple on the text that don't necessarily enjoy it when we talk about soccer, don't care about the Soccer World Cup. It's boring, but uh, I enjoy it. I'm totally engrossed in it and stayed up late, late last night and I'll be late tonight watching Argentina and I'll be up early tomorrow. So looking forward to chatting to you tomorrow about that. A um, couple of other texts that have come through. One from Tom talking about the home AFLW Grand Final rule. Hi, Dwayne. If the rule is for a home final, then that's the rule. I'm sure the clubs know that. bit late to carry on about it now. Uh, thanks for that. Hey, Dwayne. Mate, I love the World Cup. Born in England, lived here for 24 years. Um, I'm 30 now from England. Couldn't wait for it to start last night and didn't have a nap before the game. I was buzzing uh, all game. Great to see the boys gel together so well. 6-2 win for England, if you were unaware of that. Looking forward to watching my second team, the Socceroos, tomorrow morning. Jimmer in Cheltenham. Cheers to you, Jimmer. Um, Andy from Brighton Pipe. North Melbourne supporters should be beside themselves. Simon Lloyd, who I have the pleasure of knowing, is not only a fantastic football person, he is next level quality as a person. He's just been to Harvard with Dangerfield and has done every accreditation and has more experience than most in the industry. So, yeah, that might be a story in the next 24 hours as well with Geelong's footy boss Simon Lloyd tipped to be the new CEO of North Melbourne, Collingwood and Essendon also on the CEO hunt at the moment. Uh, you can't expect big crowds instantly after a T20 World Cup tournament. As the one-day international World Cup gets closer, it will gain momentum and take over as the white ball format 100%. Well, it was once the only white ball and the dominant one-ball format, but T20 cricket obviously has taken that mantle. But, yeah, I think we will slowly enjoy our love of it closer to that one-day World Cup, and you'll be enjoying it after 2 o'clock today, and we'll all be enjoying it on the TV this afternoon if you get a chance to tune in and hear the team on SEN broadcast it for you. Uh, here we go again, this MCG Grand Final Day every fortnight. Don't give it any air. Um, yeah, look, it's the beauty of this program. You call, you get on about anything that you're passionate about, and we did have a couple of callers pretty passionate about the venue for the AFL Grand Final earlier today. Uh, another one, instead of making all these changes to the game, how about we have a proper in-depth discussion about interchange rotation? Well, we did that before I took some time off and went to Japan. We talked about the fact that, well, I think we're going to get five players on the interchange and no subs. So I think we're going to just go to five interchange. I'd like to reduce the amount of interchange you can have, but I think we're getting five. That's hopefully an announcement we'll find out in the next 48 hours as well. Thanks to Zoe. Thanks to Andrew Schmidt on the buttons. I'll catch you tomorrow for more Dwayne's World and we'll take more of your calls on Midday Madness. I'll see you then. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.